Hello everyone and welcome back to a special edition of the Full 40 with Chris and Rob. It is our one year anniversary of the podcast. Big deal. Yeah. Absolutely huge huge deal. We've just basically continued to record a podcast for one year. We locked in several sponsorships. We're making each at least six figures in (laughs) extra income as a result of this. I couldn't be happier. We're making more money than Chiron Cartwright at this point. Boom. 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 Crushing it. So, so <laughs> if only look, that was the case. We have a little best of segment, worst of segment that'll come towards the back, and we have some thank yous to have at the back end of the podcast. I know we just had a big game versus Marquette. We're actually going to table that discussion because I think the bigger news of today is actually the bracket preview that occurred on CBS at 12.30. Uh, it's Saturday afternoon. So I think that that was actually the bigger news, Rob. I, I don't know what you think, but I think we should do that first before I, we get I, into the I market. will say this. Like you said, it's Saturday afternoon. That bracket preview was about six whiskeys go for me. So preface this for our, our listeners here. This may go the route of Kansas episode number two. Yes, but Rob was slurring his words. We're going to try to avoid that. We're we're really going to keep it a little bit cleaner today, but I make no promises. So just (laughs) just, just As we have been doing for a year, we've made no (laughs) promises, set no expectations about this podcast. We we pretended for a couple episodes that we knew what we were doing, and they were like, nah, we we really don't. (laughs) We're just going to go with it. So as we've stated from the very beginning... If you continue to listen, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. Right. You made that choice. It's not our responsibility. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Bracket preview. Bracket preview. I don't think there's anything that wildly crazy that came out of this bracket preview. Like no w- crazy inclusion like Oklahoma was a four seed last year. There was nothing that is that like, oh my God, that is so offensively bad. That happened in this bracket preview. And and let's just set the stage real quick, too, for some of our listeners who may not follow it quite as closely. So starting last year, the um, the NCAA actually started this process similar to kind of college football, actually, where partway through the season, they actually say, hey, if we were going to do the bracket, here's what the top four seeds would look like. In so each here, region. In each region. Yeah. So here's the, the top 16 teams, basically, in the country as we see it. so that and, we, my, and my favorite part of that is they actually give you the overall rank of each in each seed line, which they don't do at the final selection Sunday. Yes. They don't tell you that. They don't reveal. It's called the S-curve. They don't reveal the S-curve. Like, So Duke, for example, was the overall one seed, and they were the—so that was one. But then, for example, they told you that— Tennessee was the second best one seed, but still a one seed. So I like that fact that they do that. Yeah. And and this year was a little bit different because the NCAA introduced the net rankings as one of their primary drivers for determining the seed line. And so this replaced the RPI, which had been the go-to metric, the oft-criticized go-to metric of years past. So yeah. 
this was the first time that they're kind of coming out with this. And frankly, my reaction after seeing this was, yeah, okay, not a ton of controversy. Right. Once you get towards the, the latter end of the bracket, yeah, there's a little bit more debate to be had. So I guess let's have it. Yeah, let's do it. So I think the first thing that you got to say is the one line and the two line all are what they are. And most likely there could be some internal shuffling between the two, but they aren't going to change. Yeah, I mean, look, we got the number two overall seed, as as we should have, right? Because Villanova <laughs> is probably the second best team in the country. Uh, no, no, in all seriousness, so we weren't even in the top sixteen. No, we weren't. We were so headline. We, we kind of buried the lead here. Villanova was not in the top sixteen. Right. We were actually number seventeen. Right. And and which was an interesting thing that came out of that. But yeah. So like the the, the top two seeds. Like the two lines were Duke, Tennessee, Virginia, Gonzaga. Um, fine. Yeah, fine. Kentucky, Michigan, UNC, and Michigan State. Which there's no real debate there. Like there's no team that felt that wasn't in there. You could argue Nevada, maybe. You could maybe. argue Purdue, maybe. Yeah. 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 I think bottom line is you've got those top eight teams. They're kind of in a class of their own. Right. And like, I don't know, is what I've always been saying is, look, you put us up against anybody who's kind of after those teams, and frankly, I think after kind of the top five, I feel like we have a shot. Once you get into that top kind of five or six teams, that's yeah, just a different, it's different league of basketball. That's basically Villanova last year. Correct. Yeah. Which is why, and we'll get to this, but we want to find the path to a three seed because mm. we want to avoid... At all costs, the one line. And aside from winning out, the two line is pretty much impenetrable for us. We're not going to get there. So putting the top two seed lines aside, then you have Purdue, which was the ninth overall team. The first first team on the three line. And then you have Kansas, Houston, and Marquette. Again, no crazy surprises. Kansas is a little bit funky. But just because of everything going on with the program, but Kansas has played probably the hardest schedule of anybody and has won a ton of games, including yeah. against us, earlier in the season. So Kansas, and I think they also beat Marquette. So Kansas they did, yeah. Yeah. So Kansas has Kansas's non-conference schedule has separated them, and their in-conference schedule is not going to kill them that bad because the Big 12 is insane yet again. What's going to be interesting, though, for Kansas is come March, they are going to be an absolutely different team than they were to start the year. Uh, Aduke Azebeku, whatever the hell his name is. Totally, <laughs> Azebuke. Azebuke, whatever. The drunk I, is coming out already, I folks. Absolutely, I totally butchered that. I know his name. Is out for the year. Um, De Silvio is out for the year, per NCAA. <laughs> Silvio D'Souza. This is great. I love this. I can't wait to podcast with this guy for 40 more minutes. Oh my god, this is brutal. I'm struggling. Um, He's out for the year. And now, LeGerald Vick. I got that one. LeGerald Vick has taken a personal absence. It's actually LeGerald. Oh, shit. I hate you so much right now. This is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. (laughs) My thoughts are kind of there, but like the specifics just not landed at this point. Anyway, Vick is taking an absence from the team. Right. Nobody quite knows why, but it sounds like, according to his mother, actually, it's going to be several weeks long. Yeah. So. And he may not come back. So. You hate to see is, that. You, no, absolutely. You don't. You don't want to see it. Bottom line is, 
Kansas, a few weeks from now, could be a totally different team than the team that we saw and the team that basically generated this number three seed. Yeah, so on that three line, the interesting story for me is Kansas doesn't have anywhere to go but really down just because of everything that they've lost from their team. Yeah. Purdue is the only team that has a chance to climb because Michigan and Michigan State, and they have games against them left. So the strength of schedule is going to help them, right? Houston has a chance, but they have to beat Cincinnati twice to move further up. Otherwise, any losses are going to hurt them doubly. And Marquette had, they beat us today, will probably be the benefactor of that a little bit. So Marquette solidified itself on that three line. I don't think Marquette, unless they collapse, is going to fall out of the top four seed lines in this year. Yeah, I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given how the Big East is shaking out, right. it would be shocking for them to fall apart. There seems to be such separation between the two of us and everybody else. Right. So then circling out to the to the four seeds, the four seeds, the bottom three seeds, and the five seeds, which we actually got information on what the five seeds were, yeah. which was great, a great part of the show, um, was... <laughs> here's, here's an update from Jay Billis. Rob is drunk. <laughs> Stop podcasting. Right. Anyway. Um, indiscernible from there on. Because you have Iowa State, you have Louisville, you have Nevada, and you have Wisconsin. Nevada ain't going anywhere because the toughest ter- opponent they have left is like Utah State. Yeah. So the only way they can go is down. Even though they're sixth ranked team in the country, they can't go anywhere. Yeah. They. Wins can't help them other than other teams around them really losing, but then they just got to rack them up. Any loss, and they're going to fall off the four line. Right? And then you have, again, you have Louisville, you have Iowa State, and then you have Wisconsin. Wisconsin lost at Michigan today. No real, there's nothing bad about losing at Michigan. Um, But again, Wisconsin has a chance to move up because of the. Of the conference they play in, same with Louisville. Yeah, if they can pull off another couple big They're playing wins. Florida State, literally as, as we are podcasting. and as yeah. of the time of this podcast, they were in the lead. Yeah, don't know what's going to happen. That game. Kudos to Chris Mack, man. Damn. Yeah. So interestingly, on the bracket preview show, they said Seth Davis. Big shouts to Seth Davis. Said, "Oh, I'm surprised Villanova's not on there." It was his first comment. It was his first response. Fired right at the committee chair. That's right. So are we. Yeah, right. Stick it to him, Seth. <laughs> yeah. And the committee chair immediately came back and said, oh, actually, Villanova was our next team. They were our 17th ranked team after the top 16. This, so, guy, this guy's a future in politics. He is clearly just pandering. I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah. Continue pandering, to pander. Pandering pander, to pander, that pander, 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 huge pander. Villanova fan base. <laughs> yes. Of, of a, you know, a couple dozen thousand people. NCAA knows where the money is. It's in the 6,000 Villanova fans that are out there. <laughs> for sure. Right, right. So so Villanova was the 17th ranked team, and after Villanova was Virginia Tech, Texas Tech, and LSU. Yeah. And after our big win today against Marquette, we should Man. probably jump up. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think we're probably jumping up to a three-seat, I think. So, so we'll get to the Marquette game <laughs> um, after the fact. But that was really, like, I, I thought it was interesting. And I don't know about you. I know you talked about burying the lead. I didn't find Villanova being the 17th ranked team to be offensive. I know that there was some talk on Twitter about, about oh, it's bullshit. We should have been top 16. You could argue it, but I think the arguments against it, especially when you factor in losses against Furman at home and yeah, at yeah. Penn, it, it, it drags you out, especially without a big, big win other than 
Florida State on a neutral. And yeah, I'm totally with you. In fact, the matter is, Florida State has been reeling basically since we beat them. They are hanging on to their top 25 ranking. So look, we don't have a good win. We've got some not great losses at this point. The headline for me is actually, I really don't care. Right. Like, right. Okay. We're the number five team. We've got an opportunity to play up to a four, play up to a three seed. There is a clear path to do that. We know what we have to do to get it done. And frankly, I don't care about this midseason ranking. This is actually not that different to me than us losing to Oklahoma a couple years ago or us losing to UVA, which back then, again, as we've discussed, I thought that was a travesty. Now, with the benefit of perspective, I just say, fine, it's a blip. It's a good perspective in terms of where we are. Let's go change it. Right. We've got another couple months to figure this out and get this right before which, we get into which it. Which is why I do appreciate this because we now know the roadmap. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You now know, okay, where you stand and what you need to accomplish. Yes. Right? And so being on the five line is a little bit rough because what that means is that if you theoretically made the Sweet 16 – you would theoretically face a team on the one line. Mm. And it also means that instead of getting, you know, a 13 or a 14 seed in your first game, you're now getting a 12 seed, which is either a major conference bubble team or like the best mid-major out there right. that won their tournament. So you're going to get like, that's, 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 that's by definition a lot tougher. Yeah. Right. If you're on the four and five line, provided you get past the first game, you're playing a team that's going to be very similar to you regardless. Yeah. Right? Though I will say, with the way our team is playing to date, I kind of feel like no matter whether the team is the number 10 ranked team in the country, like we saw today, or the team is a Georgetown equivalent or somebody who's right on the bubble. Maybe, you know, Butler is a better example, right? We seem to have a 50-50 shot of whether we're going to win that game. We play up to some teams. We play down to others. We're going to be in the game at the end of it. It's just a matter of whether we hit the shots. Right. So, whatever. Absolutely. It, headline for me is, I, I really don't know. I agree. But I think, so if you're watching at home, which if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you are. If you're watching at home, the teams you got to pay attention to now are Kansas, Houston, Marquette, uh, Nevada, Wisconsin, Louisville, Iowa State, Virginia Tech, Texas Tech, and LSU. There's 10 teams. Right, those are the ten teams who are around us. There's more above because I'm thinking that we're still ascendant despite today's loss. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple teams below us that could that could grab some big wins. In LSU is in the SEC, and Texas Tech's in the Big Twelve, totally. and Virginia Tech's in the ACC. Virginia Tech lost today, which was big. Yeah. Um, and so so that helps. And so you got to make sure that you basically stay ahead of the teams behind you, and you. Try and climb over some of those teams that are ahead of you. Kansas looks like a ripe to to fall fall back a bit. In theory, yeah. Houston again. We talked about them losing any games, and you're going to jump them. Yeah, for sure. Nevada loses any games, and we're jumping them. Yep. And then Wisconsin. It's going to be one of those things where if they win a lot, they could work their way into a high three seed. Yeah. Because of the strength of schedule in the Big Ten, if they lose more games, they just lose a, a bunch of numeric like numerically lose a lot of games because the Big 12, uh, Big 10 is as hard as it is, then they'll fall back. Yeah. So there is a path to at least a four seed, if not a three seed. I yeah. think the three seed is like 
if this team reaches its full potential, Rob, I think that a three seed is really what's in the cards. I, I think I think that's fair. And what we were talking about before is to set expectations for our audience here. What would it take for us to get a two seed? It would take us. It would take basically us to run the table, including winning the Big East tournament, for us to get a two. There's almost no chance on earth that we would ascend to a one seed. No, we can't get there unless. I don't know. Zion Williamson tears his ACL, and R.J. Barrett blows out his Achilles. And tomorrow. Gonzaga loses to all of the teams in the in the WCC. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. So 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 write it off. We're not getting a one. The two is basically impossible. The, the two shooting, would require literally winning out, which isn't impossible. It's not impossible, but it's very unlikely. It's unlikely. Yeah. I agree with that. So we're shooting for a three, really at best, a four. That That's kind of really what the target should be at this point. Yeah, I think three seed's doable. And so, look, I don't want to get too much into game by game what's coming up and what's 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 left. Um, but but we got Providence, St. John's, Georgetown, Xavier, Marquette, Butler, Seton Hall, and then the Big East Tournament. Yeah. It is not unreasonable to suggest that we finish these last seven games in conference six and one. And then pick up another loss in the Big East tournament yeah. just because we hit a stumbling block. Right. If we do that, do we have a three seed? Because that would be seven uh, losses. I, I, look, I, I think I'm going to cut you off. I, I think what needs to happen for us to get a three seed relative to the competition there is that some of the competition is going to have to take some bad losses because, frankly, the rest of the, the teams that we're playing aren't that good. We're not picking up great wins. Yeah, right. No, there's no question about that. You, you have likely two, maybe three tournament teams left on the schedule, and you're at St. John's, which at St. John's is a quad one game. Um, you're home versus Marquette, which is a quad one game, and you're at Seton Hall, which is borderline, or Butler, either yeah. one of those. There's nothing great. Yeah, there's nothing. There's We just don't have a lot of opportunity. So you got to beat Marquette. So six and one assumes that you're beating Marquette at home, mm-hmm. right? And then you might need to beat Marquette again in the Big East tournament mm-hmm. final. Yeah. There's no risk for us. St. John's uh-huh. lost today. Yeah. So we've basically already locked up one or two seed in sure. the in the Big East tournament. And Marquette losing to St. John's earlier, which St. John's is a fucking enigma. They're terrible. Yeah. They're absolutely terrible. Um, basically guarantees that we're going to be – that we have a very good chance to win the conference. Yeah. I think that's fair. So I think that's pretty much – I don't think there's much else to break down about the bracket preview. I think that the Big East's best hope is to get Marquette up higher in the three-seed category and then us on the lower end of the three-seeds. And then you roll the dice from there. I think that's literally like – I think that's the, the roadmap. we got to go for the three-seed to right. avoid one of the one-seeds sure. in a theoretical Sweet 16 game. I'm with you. All right. Let's move on. Yeah, so I think at this point we got to take a we're gonna take the break a little early now. Ooh, early yeah, break. Yeah, a little early break, and then what's ahead after the break is we're gonna talk about obviously the big game, the tough loss, but uh, but we'll get into it. Well, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, and then we got to look at the week ahead, which were home versus Providence and at St. John's, and then we're gonna do a little bit one year podcast anniversary type stuff. It'll come to you after the break. So. We're going to hear a word from Nova Insider, and we'll be back in a minute. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. 
Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, NovaInsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also, look out. We're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider. Look out for them. They got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. And as always, let's go Nova. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of the Full 40, the one-year anniversary podcast with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And so, well, we, we played a game today. We, we lost the game. We did. We did. Uh, 66 to 65 to Marquette. And we also played against the referees. Yeah, there were, the, the refereeing was interesting. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, to say the absolute least. Yeah. But we lost the game. And, you know, I actually feel like Marquette overall, I mean, despite the referees, I thought Marquette deserved to win that game. Um, but interestingly... I actually came into this game expecting to lose because my belief is that the last three games, Creighton at home, which I thought we looked like trash, mm. um, which I got lucky to pull out that one, uh, Georgetown at home, and then at DePaul, I thought we looked like garbage over the last three games. It was good to rack up the win total and not to take any losses in those games, so great by that nature, good. Yeah. But I expected to lose, and my worry was getting blown out. Like, I didn't want to get creighton in this game. Oof. Yikes. And we didn't, right? Is 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 it looked like we might for a second? Yeah, the, the start of the second half was like, oh yeah, this game's over. Yeah, it didn't look good. Pour me a couple more whiskeys, and and I did anyway. Yeah, but then but then Jermaine Samuels decided he's gonna shoot the fucking ball. He rejoined the team. Yeah, welcome back. Well, like, what was that revelation? Yeah, absolute revelation. Yeah, shot open threes, stretched the defense out, and all of a sudden everyone has better looks. He makes two out of four from the three-point line. I just don't... Can, can we stop right here? Yeah. Like, I was, we were watching this game together. I was going absolutely nuts in your apartment. In the first half, I was going nuts because he passed up... Has to be one of the widest open looks I've seen in a college basketball game. Yeah. He got the ball on the three-point line. There was nobody seriously within 10 feet of him. Yeah. He paused, took a couple seconds off the shot clock, <sighs> thought about it, went out, got a coffee... Came back. Marquette was still like, oh, you still haven't shot it? Yeah, it, we didn't think he would. And then he passed the ball. Like, it was killing me. Yeah. So, and, and the great part was there was clearly one possession. Uh, not that one, actually. There was another one. He did it. And there was a timeout shortly thereafter. And the camera panned to Jay, who just lit into Samuels. Yes. And you have to imagine it was basically, Jermaine, shoot the, the fucking ball. ball. Like, yeah. Clearly. Yes. Absolutely clearly. And credit to Jermaine. He came out in the second half. And, and what did he do? do? Shot the fucking ball. And he yes. made it. Look, I will say this. We've hated on Jermaine. We've loved Jermaine. Jermaine has hit some big three-pointers this year. Yes. Actually, huge. some of the most clutch three-pointers of the entire season, including this game. Right. His two threes today were enormous and absolutely put us back 
in contention to win it. Absolutely, absolutely. We the fact that we took the lead in the second half at one point shocking was awesome. And I want to say I don't love the moral victory concept. No, no, no. But like we said this after the Kansas game, I didn't feel terrible after the Kansas yeah. game. I don't feel terrible after this loss. I really don't. I don't want to take a. I don't like the moral victory line because I think that this team thinks that we should win. And as bad as this team has played lately, having the lead late in the second half, even though it was a one or one possession lead, you thought to yourself, "Wow, we might fucking win this game." Look, look here's my issue. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off here. Yeah. Here's my issue with the the kind of moral victory where I feel where you're going is that. I, I tried to take away a little bit of a moral victory from this because the moral victory to me is almost like, hey, I see what this team can be, right? Yes. That's basically what moral victory is. I've seen the potential, and hey, if all these pieces actually click together, this can be a top 10 team. We've talked about this before, and we said that to be a top 10 team, this team needed Jermaine absolutely involved in shooting the ball, and it needed Quinterly playing 10 to 15 minutes a game maybe we're getting Samuels back to what he was five or six games ago. Because we looked at the stats. He hadn't even attempted a three-pointer the last four games, which is insane. Right. Quinterly has actually shot more three-pointers the past four games than Samuels Which has. is crazy because Quinterly's played like an average of like two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. Fucking crazy, right? So, like, those are the two big things for me that needed to play out and needed need to continue to play out for this to be exciting to me as a moral victory, and I don't necessarily see that that's going to continue. Like, I don't know if Jermaine's going to shoot, continue to shoot four three-pointers a game next game. I hope he does. Yeah, he has to. Because the offense is fundamentally different when yes. he does. Yes, and he's an apt defender. Yeah. He gets, he's still Windex, Windex Samuels. He's still Windex. He, he had a great game. He got yeah. caught for that bullshit foul. That was Horseshit, and that got panned on social media everywhere. Everywhere, people were like, "That is a garbage call." Yeah. The whole nine yards, etc., which basically allowed Marquette to take that late lead. Yeah. So, look, I think that this game was. I, I hate to take again. I feel like I'm taking a little bit of a moral victory here. I expected to lose. We lost by one, but we showed a lot of fight coming back late after we got down. We shouldn't have gotten down 15 to begin with. We couldn't sure. make a stop defensively. Um, we couldn't do. Uh, we couldn't. We couldn't make shots. We were. We were. We were playing afraid. We weren't playing aggressively on offense. Then once we got down 15, it was like we said fuck it and started sharing the ball a little bit more yeah. and playing off of people and shooting the ball like Jermaine shooting the ball. Joe Cremo shot the ball. Uh, like. Like, no, I, I don't want to say, like, yeah, I don't want to go too high in praise of Cremo because I think he was one of the culprits of bad defense, which still, somehow he gets a lot good. of somehow he gets good. a lot of credit for good defense amongst the fan base. <laughs> he, he gets credit from Jay. Jay in the last press conference, somebody asked him point blank, basically, why is why is Joe playing so much? And he made the point, he's like, hey, look, everybody, all the other teams respect Joe's three-point shooting ability, so, you know, they collapse him on defense and it opens up stuff for other people. I, I tack this up as one of Jay Wright's friendly lies. Yes. Villanova's got the best fans in the world. That's not true? No. <laughs> That's not no, true. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Joe Cremo is a three-point threat that everybody's scared of. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> don't believe it. Anyway. So I thought that, I thought that, look, we started sharing the ball, different guys got shots, 
etc. Colin had an unusually off game, which he's yeah, been good lately, but he had an off game. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then Phil and Eric were Phil and Eric, by and large. And we made a big comeback, but you know we shouldn't have got down that deep to begin with. I mean, you, you can't go down 15 and then expect to win the game away. Yeah, and, and frankly... At we, the number 10 team in the country. Yeah, and, and we had... We actually put ourselves in the position to win the game. The last play was... Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to be talking about the last play. Phil Booth should have pulled up for a little mid-range J. I think, he should have. I think Phil was shocked at how open he was. Yeah. And then thought about taking it to the rack and then thought differently of it. And I think he just got hung up. Yeah. I think Phil is kicking himself. I think he thinks that he should have just went up for the mid-range J or, or a quick layup or take it right to the rack. Yeah. I wish. I think we all wish that he did that, but... I don't blame Phil. He's been such a big shot maker all season. Let's pause for a minute on Phil, though. Yeah. Phil, the past couple games, has been... It's weird because he's averaged like 15, 16 points a game, but he hasn't been good. No, he hasn't been good. It hasn't been efficient. I mean, Phil basically, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, he went on this heater. Yes. Where he was hitting, I think it was like 45, 46% from three, and basically was unstoppable relative to the competition. Clearly, that went to his head a little bit, and... The past couple games, he's been taking a lot of these shots where you're kind of like, eh, that was a little bit more contested than we were hoping for, and eh, that kind of barely got the rim on that three. Yeah. And it was kind of like that a, a bit today, and frankly, actually, a bit against Creighton, too. He was one for seven from three. So the shot selection hasn't actually been great for Phil the past couple games. Agree, he's got all the ability in the world, and he is still the clear leader of this team, but yeah. you've Got to see a little bit of improvement there yeah. to give us a chance. Just a chance. wait for March Phil Booth. I, I'm really hoping you're right. Yeah, March yeah. Phil Booth will be a different level of Phil Booth, and we'll be good. I'm not worried about Phil. I'm not either. It's, it's been a little bit frustrating, though, to watch, to be honest. It has been a little bit frustrating. No question about that. Um, I, 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 I want to kind of go back a little bit to Samuels. Yeah. It was just such a stark development in the it was like the, It was like, to me, it was the story of the game. Because in the first half, and I think you pointed out, I mean, like, but, like, the first half, he swallowed the ball and was literally causing problems for the offense. Yeah. Because the offense is predicated on working really hard, making hard cuts, making hard passes, making the extra pass to get the guy who's wide open for a look, right? And Jermaine was wide open for the look and then failed to shoot it. So when Jermaine goes and has the wide open look, the immediate thought in our players' guys is to collapse and start to think about either getting back on defense or running or running to grab a board. Yeah. And now they got to play this game in which they kind of re-spread out. Yeah, and, somebody's got to bail them out. Yeah, someone's got to bail them out. And and with we also play slow, so the, the, the time's clicking off the shot clock, and now we got to fire up a contested shot, yeah. which was a worse shot than Jermaine, who, I mean, look, I get why he, I get a little bit why he's a little bit concerned to take it, but he can make the shot. He can make the shot. He's yeah, got the he's, tracker to making the shot. Yeah, he's an over 30% three-point shooter, yeah. so he's apt. So he has the green light totally. on an open look. It's not like Demir Cosby Roundtree, yes. who we've never seen shoot a three in his career. No, I still kind of want to see him shoot it. I, I kind of want to do it, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, almost, I was like, damn it. I was like, fuck it, Jermaine. Fuck it, Demir. Fucking shoot it. A- absolutely. Right. I have, a high, but, I have a feeling it would be really ugly, but I do want to see. Yeah, I kind of want to just, just, just once, just, yeah, just, yeah. just for a second, just to see how it just feels. Just see how it feels, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but in all seriousness, I think Jermaine swallowing those balls hurts the offense, even if he shoots and misses. Yeah. Right, like the worst thing is maybe we get an offensive rebound. 
okay, we all know what to do. Like, we all know how to get back on defense after a missed three. Like, he's got to shoot those balls. And then in the second half, huge turnaround. Not only does he shoot, he shoots four times, makes two of them 50%. It's crazy. Not only that, he shot a few times, and because he started shooting, there was the one play he drew Theo John, basically committed to blocking the three-point shot. Samuels then put it on the floor, took it to the hoop, and Theo John picked up his fifth foul. Yeah. And he fouled out. And and to be clear, we don't really want Samuels driving the lane, but the fact that he's willing to and the fact that defenses believe that they need to come out to him changes how teams play against us and changes our offense. Correct. It totally does. Because if Jermaine, we've talked about this before, if Jermaine is out there as the five, he needs to shoot the ball because his purpose is to spread the floor yeah. offensively yeah. because it opens up looks for everybody else. For That's sure. why Jay went to that five-out lineup yeah. right, to begin with. So, he, so he, otherwise he defeats the purpose. On de- defense, though, and rebounds-wise, Jermaine was excellent today. Blocks, um, good, good boards. Yeah. Like, I thought he played tough defense. I, I, mean, I, I mean, Jermaine's been quite a development on the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, look, I, Jermaine's a guy, he clearly operates and, and performs, it seems to be a lot based on how, literally how confident he is or is not feeling on a game-by-game basis. Yeah. And he's a guy where I literally want to impart all of the confidence I have in myself onto him. All of your misguided confidence. All of my misguided confidence. <laughs> Certainly not on the basketball court. But I want to impart everything I can onto him because him playing with confidence, like, he can actually be a really, as we talked about, a really great contributor to this team. He's not going to be Josh Hart, period. Right. We don't need him to be, but we want him to shoot the ball, play great defense, play aggressively, and just do what you think is right. And, and for the record, any fan who is knocking him for the last shot of the game, just stop. Right. That was. Not, I don't think that's really happening. I, I, I saw. I saw a few things on Reddit about it. People were like, "Like, what was that shot? He had no idea what the clock was." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe he didn't. That play wasn't drawn up for him. The ball fell to him. It was a weird defensive setup. Like, he got something up. Frankly, I thought it had a shot. Actually, I actually thought it had a shot. And I we didn't go back and look at it, but had it gone, had it actually hit it, I think it was going to count. I think he got it off. Yes, before the he buzzer. definitely got it off. And yeah. I thought it was lined up right. It was just a little short. Yeah. So look, Jermaine to me. I was so pumped in the second half, frankly, even when he just took the first three he had and it missed. Now, you can't blame Jermaine because Jermaine's one of the big reasons why we got back in the game. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, similarly, is Cremo one of the big reasons we got back in the game? Uh, no. He, he did hit one. He did hit one. We'll, we'll give him credit he for one. He hit one. It was contested. It was like a fuck it shot. It was the first time I seen him take a fuck it shot in his entire Villanova, short Villanova career. Yeah. I want Cremo doing more fucking shots and more leaning yeah. in, not fading away. Oh my god! On his on his three pointers, even when Jesus. he's wide open. Yeah, he's got this weird thing where he fades away a little bit lately, and I think that's what's actually interrupting his form. It's really strange. But yeah, Cremo is just it's 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 tough. This team, I, I we talked about it today. We actually really need Cole Swider to come back. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, because Cole Swider's bigger. He's 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 longer. I think he's a better three point shooter. Um, he can spread the floor. He can play. He probably can't play the five, but he can play all the way out to the four, right? He he provides a different level of depth, whereas Cremo doesn't really add it. So I think Cremo has been the biggest minutes benefactor yeah. of Cole Swider going out. When Cole Swider comes back, I think we'll see less Cremo. Yeah. I still that would, would love great. to see more JQ. 
well, at the same as, time, as, as noted, JQ's been out with a serious injury, so <laughs> that's that's been keeping him on the bench. Yeah, J- just to be clear, he's not. JQ has a condition in which he's only allowed to play a maximum of four <laughs> minutes a game. I made two predictions prior to this game. I said, "Hey, look, JQ's going to play two minutes, and Cremo's going to play twelve. And the official count says that Cremo played eleven, and Quinterly. ESPN says zero. I'm, he was on the floor, so yeah. we give him one. We give him one. Pretty fucking close. Yeah, you got close. You I got, got close. close. Um, before we jump off this game, can we talk a little bit about Hey Bebe? I love Sadiq Bay. So, so we we love Sadiq Bay. There's Hey Bebe. Hey Bebe. Obviously, um, the last couple possessions, Jay clearly moved to say, Sadiq, you're on Howard. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, yeah, because he did pretty damn good on Howard. He did pretty good. He did pretty good. On Howard. On literally, like, the best player in the Big East. I'm like, I'm like... And Howard had, like, 36, so let's not pretend that Howard had a bad game. (laughs) But, like, but when he put Bay on Howard, he really bothered him. To to be clear, it was was a quiet 36. It was a quiet quiet 36. (laughs) But, no, like, I'm... I'm kind of like, all right, is Jay getting to the point where he feels like Sadiq has the potential to be the next elite defender? I think so. And I think he is. And I think he's a great rebounder. And we've talked about this before. I don't love the way his shot looks, but he <laughs> makes a, he makes a good clip. It, it, he makes shot. a good enough clip. It's a weird shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sadiq Bey has been terrific. He was fabulous against Creighton. Mm. He's one of the reasons, the only reasons why yeah. he won that game. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, so Sadiq Bey has been terrific, and I think the development of Colin and Sadiq Bey has been tremendous for this team and this team's prospects going forward. Yeah. I think Sadiq Bey was the one that we thought, okay, here he is as a freshman. He's not going to really – how much you get to expect to progress. He actually has progressed. He's become a very consistent, clear contributor. There is no question that Sadiq Bey is the top – Top four player on this team. Yeah. I think looking forward, Sadiq and or the combination of Sadiq and uh, Brennan Slater can be the next two elite defenders for Villanova. The combination of length and the very limited minutes we've seen Slater play, like he seems to have some instincts about him. But like obviously Bay is, is kind of leading the charge there, and I'd love to see him kind of at the, uh, the top, playing against whoever the best player is on whatever team we're playing. I love Sadiq Bey. I really do. Big he's, fan. He's absolutely terrific. No way he's here for four years. Not a chance. I don't know, because he's not, like, the most athletic guy. I think I think you're going to see a jump. I think, like, think about it next year, right? He's going to do a little off-season work. He's going to come back. The like, Shaq is going to do some the work. The Shaq's going to do some work. He's going to come back. He, he he's He's got a borderline NBA body today. Yeah, he seems a little bulky. Am I right in saying that? I don't th- I don't think it's I don't mean fat. He he seems like he's got I think to my to your point about Shaq, I think you take you take a a, a summer of Shaq fit. Yeah. And I think he's going to look I, I agree with you. He's going to look a little more athletic. But athleticism is about like quickness and all of that stuff and he's not the quickest guy. Although for as much as we kind of hit on the shot, he's got a quick release. He is 100% ready to shoot every possession. Yeah. The yeah. ball hits his hands and it is going up. Yes. No question. And he looks asked. in control. He absolutely looks in control. Yeah. No, I, think, I, I think you and I could use a summer of Shaq fit, too. I would love it. Could you imagine? Yeah. That would be phenomenal. Well, you're in decent shape. I'm fat. That would be odd. We should, we should ping Shaq fit and see. Wait. Oh, that reminds us. We do have to meet up with him. We do need to meet up with Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. Not that he's asked for it, but... 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with uh, yeah. the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. Do you have one? There really wasn't one that stood out uh, in my mind. Am I, I think I'm right here. Demir Cosby Roundtree had a big putback. No, it was Jermaine Samuels. Jermaine uh, Samuels yes. had a big putback dunk off a missed three. Yes. Today. Windex and Flush. Oh, God. It's the worst nickname ever. No. Windex is a great nickname Jesus. for Jermaine Samuels. Great rebound. Absolutely terrible. Crashes the boards really well. You know what I see in Jermaine a little bit? Hmm. He's kind of a little bit of a cross between junior year Dwayne Anderson. Hmm. And sophomore year, no, yes, sophomore year, Reggie Redding. Interesting. Okay, okay. I can see where you're going with this. Where I it's like some offensive flashes, hustle plays, yep. and all of that. Tries but a lot like, on defense. But does like a defense pretty, pretty does good job. Yeah. Good yep. defender, yep. etc. And where we need Jermaine to get is a little bit better than that. Yeah, but next year if Jermaine can be senior year Dwayne Anderson versus and and senior year Reggie Redding, yeah. kind of the combination yeah, of those yeah. two, then man, we're we're set next year. It's interesting. Okay, all right. So I think that's a fair man play of the week. Um, who's your alpha dog? Arf arf of the week. It's not a great week to pick an alpha dog, but I think it's Pascal. Uh, Eric Pascal's just been. It, it's crazy because he makes so many highlight real plays. But man, the guy's smart. He can he can score at all three levels. He he jumps through the roof. Like yeah. he does everything well. Like there's every time I, I just think Eric's always going to do something really well. I just love Eric, and I think that and I think that he for those reasons I think I'm calling him my alpha dog play of the week. Mm. I don't recall him having a particularly sterling performance in Creighton, but then again, no one did. It, it was Bay had Bay had the best Bay performance had the best performance against Creighton, absolutely. So um, I think I think the only guy who you'd put up there is is potentially Bay, is somebody who could be the other alpha dog of the week, and he had a pretty solid game against Marquette as well. So Bay had seventeen 15, and five. Pascal had fifteen. Yeah. All right. So I, I I got I got Pascal. You got Bay. Fine. A couple alpha dogs. Arf arf. Arf arf. Arf arf. It, frankly, it, it's a it's a weak it's a weak arf arf. Yeah, it's a week off off because we look like shit against Creighton, and yeah. we played we finally played better against Marquette than we did against Creighton. Yeah. One final note on this week before we go into the one year anniversary segment. Mm. Fuck the Finn. Oh, good God! Done fuck, with it. Fuck that building. Can we move I everything hate, to Wells Fargo? I hate that building. I want to play every game in Wells Absolutely. Fargo. And frankly, with this particular unit, I'd rather play every game away, neutral or away, every game. Fine. Sign because, me up. Because, because I hate playing at home now. I do. This team's better away. This you know team's what? literally better away. Let's start a fundraiser. We're going to start a GoFundMe. We're going to generate enough money. We're going to write a check back to Bill Finneran, and we're going to take back the naming rights. Take back the pavilion. I like it. Yeah. Take back the pavilion. That yeah. should be the campaign. Take back our university. That's right. We're <laughs> Villanova. You're on blast. We're sending emails tomorrow to the development office that... This is the campaign for 2019. Take back the pavilion. Just don't write any nasty notes to the Villanovan. Oh, yeah. Oh, to do oh, that. Hot take. Hot yeah, take. Hot take. Yeah, nice. They don't. They don't appreciate that. They do not appreciate criticism, as we <laughs> as we saw this week. Yeah. Oh, All right. God. All right. So oh, with God. that little break okay. in the action, we're gonna go and talk our one-year podcast anniversary. So happy birthday! Happy birthday to us! Happy birthday to us! 
This was it. And it was actually funny because the timing was very similar. They did the bracket reveal, and that was actually this big subject matter of totally. our first podcast. Yes, and people told us, hey, we want to hear about the villain of a basketball. Don't talk about the bracket. And we're like, well, shut the fuck up. We've yeah, never done this they, before. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> hand in hand. We try to do a little bit better this year. We got into a long conversation about Michigan State last year, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're, you're right. You had to be like, well, this isn't a Michigan State podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have a couple topics to talk about, right? So – in this one-year anniversary segment. Um, one of them is the best segment that never aired. Mm. Right? Big, have, big we, miss. We have big a lot miss. of ideas for segments. Yes. Right? And some of them we talked about wanting to do. Some of them we haven't talked about wanting to do. Some of them we ran out of time. In this case, we had a segment that we promised that we were going to do that <laughs> yeah, we never we got to where we compared the 2016 to the 2018 championship teams because there was all this talk that came out after the 2018 yeah. team where the 16 team was talking shit on the 18 team, the 18 team was talking shit on the 16 yeah, team. Yeah, like literally the players were going back and forth They were going it. back and forth yeah. on this to say who was better. Yeah. It was pretty cool, actually. It was, I, love it was fun. I love that. I love it. It was, it, was, it was great. It was like to observe on Twitter was fun. Yeah. Um, and on Instagram. So on in 2016, here's what I'll say. 2016 was Inherently more exciting because the games were closer. Like that that Kansas fight to the finish to make the final four, right? Then you had the 44-point blowout on uh, versus Oklahoma. Yeah. You had Jenkins' shot versus Miami. You also had the history of not having a championship for 31 years. Sure. And you had that recent history of not being able to get out of the second round where we blew out Iowa. And then, of course, you had Chris Jenkins's best shot in college basketball history. Yeah. So in terms of excitement level, yeah, 16 was more exciting than 18. Of course. But the conversation was who was a better team. Yeah. And we actually did some research. We which did is, some which, real which, which research Which actually makes this. this super annoying that we didn't bother to do this. We yes. just got lazy as shit. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so, We're like, oh, it's the summer. We're not going to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, I was like, I want to go out drinking instead of doing <laughs> yeah. a podcast. Um, I actually emailed Ken Pomeroy who runs the famous KenPom.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Aptly named. Yes. <laughs> and our guy, Eric Haslam, who runs a site called Haslam Metrics, which... Also that aptly one, named. Aptly named. Yeah. Which you, you probably haven't heard of the second one. Yeah. But he actually has a very interesting take. So he takes Ken Palm's... It's not exactly... He takes basically Ken Palm's algorithm, but what he does is he cuts it off when games go super blowout. Mm. So in a super blowout, he calls a statistically ending the game. Yeah. And he stops counting stats after that. So like a Kinda lot of like times... like the net rankings, actually. Yeah. A lot of times what happens is when a team blows them out, when you're up 30, and this happened to Villanova last year, when your team's up 30 and a team gets like... You'll let the team back in in garbage time, and that shouldn't yeah. count against you from a metric standpoint. When you're villanova in a team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I emailed them and I said... Okay, neutral court, who you got, 2016 versus 2018. And they're like, well, it's hard because this, that, and the other thing. Both had that, like, very similar, like, disclaimer. And then we went and visited them. We're like, make a fucking choice. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It got really aggressive. I took a gun to their head, and I said, gun to your head, make a choice. Who are you doing it? Yeah. Both of them said 2018. Although, interestingly, one said they got... Villanova minus one if they were setting up a Vegas line. 
Villanova 18 minus 1 versus mm-hmm. Villanova 16. And then the other one said minus Villanova... Minus 1 is so tight. Yeah. The other one said Villanova minus 5, which to me makes a lot more I, sense. I think 5 would make... Right. Leaning towards 18, right? Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I test to me, that makes sense. I, I would have to agree. So, yeah. We didn't air this segment. We're basically airing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. I thought it was very interesting because no one actually went to these analytics guys and said... Yeah. Who went on neutral court. We'll never get, unfortunately, get to see the matchup because you can't clone Jalen Brunson. <laughs> unfortunately. Or Phil Booth. <laughs> Quite yet. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, well, in order to clone Jalen Brunson, you just have to manufacture a new one. That's true. He is just a robot. Yes. As been pointed out, he is right. a robot. So, but anyway, like, I thought that was interesting. And, it was, and to me, that's the best segment that never aired because it's actually like, it's like an interesting fa- factoid. And, like... We actually did a piece of journalism. I, I was going to say, still failed to do un, it. Unlike most of our segments, we actually looked into this and kind of knew something. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't even bother to put it out there. <laughs> that seems about right. Yeah. We we tried the hardest and actually didn't bother. Yeah, and, that and sucks. big miss. So big with miss. that, we'll move to the worst segment that did air, which is easily <laughs> oh god, like in podcast number four. So like, look, we've been at this for a year. We said this. We were real rough to start, and the listens followed that Wait, line. Wait, and, and let's caveat. We're still real rough, so just imagine how bad it was to start. Yes. For some of our early listeners, thank you, your saints, that you stuck with us. Yes. Because it was not great. No, it wasn't great. Especially the first couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to the tens of listeners who have stuck around with us. It was literally tens. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So this segment... But this segment, yeah. We, it was like our fourth podcast. Yeah. And we decided to do this broad analysis of every player on the team <laughs> yeah. and what we want them to do better and what we want them to do differently. so bad. And what they're doing well, etc. And it was basically like a deep dive analysis into like basketball, which as we've said multiple times in this podcast, <laughs> we didn't play basketball growing <laughs> up. We have literally... Yeah, it was, it was not great. Incapable of doing this. People were like, we got plenty of feedback. We were like, yeah, you guys uh, don't really know what you're talking about. We're, like, <laughs> we're like, kind of like, yeah, we do. We're like, actually, no, nah, nah, we really don't. <laughs> but it was helpful that we did that because we've we've said multiple times on this podcast, this is the Villanova basketball fans take yeah, on Villanova for sure, basketball. For sure. That's our angle. Right, and that helped us kind of get back to back home. Yeah, we got back to playing the full forty minutes. Yeah, up the podcast. Up yeah. the podcast. It was it was good feedback, and not getting away from what we normally do. We were like that podcast was like Jay Wright's recruiting in like <laughs> post the Final Four, right? That Dana O'Neill is so often wrote about. Oh, Dana. Um, and in that podcast, we actually had our worst take of the season, which is the third thing we want to talk about is. What's the worst take? Oh, was it in that it one? Was, it was the whole oh, thing came no. in that one package. Oh no! Right, right. So, the worst take I ever had in the podcast is sorry, Rob, but you had it. This is absolutely me. Yeah, Rob Dante Divincenzo had gotten a bunch of starts because Phil Booth hurt his hand last year. Yeah. Like the whole team hurt their hand, and he had made some great passes and things like he that. He made too. some really good plays and passes, and this, that, and the other thing. Like singular, he was like. A player to a game that was, like, really nice. Yeah, yeah. And Rob goes, you know what? I think that Dante DiVincenzo is becoming almost as good. And I'll give him credit. He said almost. He didn't say. He didn't put him there. Yeah. yeah almost as good a passer. Or good as decision, a decision made, maker. Yeah. As Jalen Brunson. <laughs> yeah. Which is horrible. Because, A, no. Dante <laughs> DiVincenzo. Just no. 
will be in the NBA for many, many years and will still never be as good a decision maker as Jalen yeah. Brunson was in Jalen's junior year. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Which was his last year in the team. And, and B, Jalen Brunson is arguably one of the top 10 best decision makers in college basketball history. Probably true. <laughs> Naismith Award winner, etc. So the take is just an absolute... <laughs> yeah, it, it the was point weird. was Rob was trying to make was he was excited about Dante's play and he's made some really good assists and Dante will, was always good for that. Dante could make highlight reel play after highlight reel play after highlight reel play, but Dante was always like his limitation was always he giveth and he taketh away. Yeah, just as easily, especially like you look at the West Virginia game, he made some dumb fucking decisions with the ball there too. Right. So yeah, he absolutely played both sides. Of yeah. That. Our best take though. Mm. came last year as we were entering the tournament. We got to Selection Sunday, and we previewed the bracket, and then we said, what do we think is going to happen? And we both said, we're going to fucking win the tournament. Yeah. We're going to win the national championship because Mikhail Bridges is going to go absolutely bananas, is what we said. No team has Mikhail Bridges, which they didn't, and he blew up in that Alabama game and a couple other games he played really well. And then, but we're just the best team, and we're going to shoot the lights out, and we're going to obliterate everyone on the way to the national championship. And that's what we did. Basically, what we did. Yeah. yeah. So that's our best take. Yeah, for sure. We, we're patting ourselves on the back for recognizing greatness. Love it. Okay. Final couple bits. Um, what we haven't enjoyed about the podcast <laughs> over the last year. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's here's a a PSA for anybody thinking about starting a podcast. Don't do it. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Don't do it. For the following reason, because if you want to sound a little bit coherent, you should edit your podcast. And let me tell you, editing your podcast sucks. It's a son of a bitch. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. It's absolutely terrible. Bilotti and I go back and forth every week. We're like, oh, are you gonna edit this one? Oh, I'm busy. This, I'm busy this week. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Uh, you know, I got work to do. It's terrible. It's right. terrible. And Rob knows this because before the past podcast that I. Released on Tuesday. Yeah. Despite we were recording it on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, hey, man, can you do this one for like three podcasts in a row? Because I'm a CPA in busy season. Yeah. And and Rob's like, uh, no, fuck you. You're doing this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, eventually I was just like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, like, and, and in my defense, I didn't bother you. Like, I knew you were busy and it didn't come out. And I was kind of like, yeah, all right, I'm not editing it. So, yeah. <laughs> that one's on you. Right. So, so yeah, so yeah. Don't start a podcast because editing is terrible. That's a That's away. pretty much, though, what we haven't enjoyed. That's pretty much the only thing. I think so. What we have enjoyed is a list much longer. Yes. Yes. We've enjoyed the interactions with fans on Instagram and Twitter and and in person. The free tickets we get all the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No free tickets, although we're waiting on the media passes. We, we, haven't, we haven't actually applied for that. We should do that. Oh, I anyway. thought you did that. Yeah. No, I, I, I told you I was going to, but I didn't. <laughs> As um, we always say, find a partner so they can break promises. We've enjoyed we've enjoyed having guests on the podcast. Yes. We've really enjoyed uh, a partnership with Nova Insider. So special shout out to uh, Nova Insider. Um, honestly, it's been it's been it's been great to interact with fans, and I think that's really where we kind of go next is just to say thank you. Yeah. Um, and we got to thank a few people. So we've already thanked Nova Insider. Want to thank Chiron Cartwright. Absolutely. One of our early inspirations yes. for the podcast. Yes. And for those of you who are newer listeners and aren't familiar with Chiron Cartwright, Chiron Cartwright was actually 
the best point guard in the Big East <laughs> last year. As named such by Fox Sports. Uh, yes. It, it, in all sincerity, Fox Sports actually had a segment where they said, Kyron Cartwright may be the best point guard in the Big East. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they were clearly smoking something. It was insanity. Quick check-in on where Kyron Cartwright is yeah. today. He's in Hungary. He's in Hungary. Playing for Abba Ferber or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. Similar to his Big East performance, he is averaging a blistering six points and four assists a game. Yeah. But hey, the Hungry League is tough. Yeah. It's tough. tough. It is tough. 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 I wonder if he ever plays uh, Rick Pitino's team. Is he coaching over there? Yeah, he's coaching in like Greece or something. Oh, God. Yeah. It might. If the cross country Euro League. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, Anyway. I want, to thank, I want to thank Jay Wright and the 2018 Villanova Wildcats for winning the championship because that really helped our listen total. I was going to say, um, starting a podcast when a team's going on a national championship run, would recommend that to anybody starting <laughs> yeah, a podcast. If you are going to start a podcast. Yeah. So don't because you have to edit it. But if you are going to start one, yeah. do it in a year where your team is going to eventually win the national championship. Absolutely. Because that's big. That was very helpful. Really helps. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So highly recommended doing a podcast when your team's on a national championship run. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So we saw that, and you know, also thank you to us for doing that. <laughs> exactly. Thank um, you to me. Yeah. Want to thank Josh Hart yes. for allowing him, allowing us to use his name yeah. in the our fan favorite Heart Monitor segment. And then finally, and most importantly, want to thank all of you, fa- friends of the pod, especially a couple we want to call out, right? Yeah. Sure. Um. So want to thank guests of the pod. So, mm, mm. Uh, J.D. Durkin, yep. who I really still highly recommend you checking his, his that podcast out that came out uh, in the episode, I think it was episode 13, after the, it was the one after the Kansas pod, uh, pods, and then, and then Sandra Rocco, who's been a recurring guest on the podcast, I want to thank him, um, check out his podcast, they've been terrific, um, and then thank a couple other people. I uh, want to thank Tom C. in Denver. Nice. We'll keep it. We'll keep it uh, a little yeah, bit mysterious. A little yeah. mysterious. I want to yeah. thank him. He's been uh, a big fan since day one. Has kept us in the loop and and frequently interacts with us in social media. I want to thank Matt. Matt, we owe you Matt, a t-shirt. Matt B. We Matt owe B. him a t-shirt. Yep. And we <laughs> like want. We actually owe a few t-shirts. Yeah, too. we owe several people t-shirts. And we'll, we'll keep making empty promises. Nova Insider still owes us the t-shirt. Design. That's right. Yep. Blame somebody else. And then Sarah B. Sarah B, for sure. Sarah B in Philly. Shouts. Um, who, if you check us out on Twitter, you can go and check it out. She was at the Marquette game today and took some great pics and wow, has wow. been a frequent interactor with us on the podcast. <laughs> interactor. <And> interactor. <laughs> spoken, like, spoken like a true social media vet. Yeah, yeah, correct. Most importantly, I want to thank our wives for allowing us the time to do a podcast. All right. All right. Should we, should we call it? Yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to the one-year anniversary of the Full 40. Went a little bit of overtime in honor of the Creighton game earlier this week. Uh, much appreciated. We'll be back a week from Sunday because um, we'll do a recording after the St. John's game. Um, and then we'll be back after that. So Perfect. we got to go 2-0 this week. Absolutely. That's huge. Saint, at St. John's is going to be tough because you're ready for the beatdown in February. <laughs> it's going to oh be God. tough. Um, but but necessary to go 2-0 if we want to get to the three line that we've been talking about. For sure. All right. With that said, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks again. Thanks for 
seriously to everyone who's been a part of making this great year, this fun year of our podcast happen. We're excited to keep going and we wouldn't be doing it without all of you. So with that, thanks. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.